Welcome to Upstream Teaching with Richard Harris, Bible-based, grace-filled teaching that will raise your hopes and stir your faith. And now, here's Richard. Well, hello everybody, this is Richard Harris uh, with Upstream Worldwide Ministries, and I am so uh, happy to be able to uh, come into your homes today and share with you the Word of God. Um, we are beginning a brand new series uh, today, and uh, I am entitling this study, How to Receive a Miracle. Um, uh, this is super exciting. Um, you know, everybody in their life at some point needs a miracle. And uh, some of us need miracles quite often, actually. <laughs> I believe that if you will uh, give your whole heart to this study, um, if you will really lean into this, as they say, and devote yourself to meditating on and thinking about and accepting what God's Word says as true, no matter what you feel, think, see, or hear, if that's your attitude going into this, then this study that we're about to engage in will revolutionize your walk with Christ. Most people who believe in Jesus, most Christians, the sad truth is, if we're just going to be honest for a minute, most of them live a pretty powerless life. Now, I know that might seem harsh, but it's true. And maybe, maybe you're watching today and, and you're kind of on the inside nodding your head, if you will, <laughs> saying, yeah, you know, I live a powerless life. Well, that's, I'm glad to know that. I, I, if that's you, uh, I want you to just rejoice because God is going to bring to you in this series truths from His Word that are going to set you free, that are going to change that fact. Most believers live a life that is, I would say, void of spiritual power, really. And that's where I was, honestly, uh, for uh, most of my Christian walk. I would read the Bible every day. You know, I would say prayer, I would go to church and all these things, and yet I never saw miracles. I never saw manifestations of the supernatural. I read about it, and I, th I even thought, you know, this, this is for today. I think, wouldn't it be great? And I didn't, I didn't believe that it was necessarily passed away, but I didn't see it around me, and I didn't see it in my life, and I wondered, why is it that some places in the world see miracles and some don't? You know... Uh, I, I had a few answers to prayer, but there weren't many uh, powerful times when I could say, yeah, God answered this prayer or answered that prayer. <clears throat> I'm happy to tell you that that's not the case anymore. In my life, God answers prayer all the time. I, hear, I see Him continuously responding to my prayers. And what's changed? The thing that's changed is, is uh, my understanding has changed my understanding about the principles of God's kingdom and how to walk with God, how to walk in the supernatural. And the good news that I have for you today, uh, in part, is that it's, it's not that complicated, <laughs> right? These principles are available for everybody. They're available for me. They're available for you. They were available for Jesus. In fact, you're going to see in this study that the principles that we're going to be seeing and learning about are the same principles that Jesus himself walked in when he was on the earth. So we're calling this series today, How to Receive a Miracle. And many of you today, you're facing needs, some of them significant needs. 
Maybe you need healing. Maybe you need financial miracle. Maybe you need a miracle in your family. Maybe you need a miracle in your work or in your emotions or in your mind or something. Who knows? But there are situations where you have done all you know to do in the natural. You've done all that you can. And if God doesn't come through for you, then you're going to maybe die or suffer some major loss or whatever the case may be. That's where you are. And I got, I'm going to say to you today that I understand. I know because I've been there. And I want to say also to you today that God has a provision for you. And I don't care what it is. And I don't care who you are. It, those things don't matter. God has provided for you. God has a promise in His Word that applies to your situation. And chances are He has lots of promises that apply to your situation. Did you know that the Bible has thousands of promises in it? Dr. Everett Storms did a study. He spent his lifetime actually studying the promises of God in sort of a, an academic sense. And he documented that the Bible contains, listen to this, this number is astounding, 7,487 promises from God are in the Bible. <laughs> I think you can find one in that stack that governs your situation. In this series, I want to strengthen your faith. I want to help align your thinking with truth. Really, really, that's the main need that we have. You might be out there today and you might be saying, well, I don't have very much faith and my faith isn't very strong and I need God to give me more faith. And I want to, I want to say back to you something, and, and this is not going to be the first time that you might think in this series that I'm a little bit harsh, but, but what, it's like a doctor-given medicine. All right, I want to give you some medicine here. The first thing that you need to understand is you don't need more faith. What you need is you need your thinking and your thoughts to line up with truth, right? And once that happens, the faith will begin to operate. Once I did a study on the miracles of Jesus, this was a few years ago, went through the whole New Testament and studied every miracle of Jesus. And it is absolutely amazing how many lessons we can learn just from studying the miracles of Jesus. I'm going to be drawing from some of those lessons in this series, and it's super exciting. These truths are going to set you free. But today, I want to focus today's message on one simple fact. All right? One simple fact. And the message today is this. This is where we've got to start. God is the God of miracles. God is the God of miracles for you, and He's the God of miracles for me. He's the God of miracles for everybody. Joshua chapter 3, verse 5, before Joshua crossed over the Jordan into the promised land, and he's leading the children of Israel, he said to them in verse 5, he said, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Isn't that a neat verse? Do you know the heart of God towards you is to do wonders in your life? God wants to do wonders among us. I think most of us, we live in a religious environment and we walk around with an attitude and a mindset thinking that God might do a miracle. Once in a blue moon, He does a miracle. When things get really dire or maybe when He has some special agenda that I don't know about where He's trying to glorify Himself or something like that, He'll do a wonder, He'll do a miracle, but it's certainly not the, the, something we should expect, you know? We should expect to slug it out in this life and, 
you know, go through life and, and fighting, you know, in the natural realm with tooth and nail to get by. That's what God wants because he wants us to be humble and he wants to teach us things. This is the religious message, but that is not the message of the Bible. Did you know no other religion in the world has a God like our God? No other religion in the world has a God that does miracles. The Bible is full of miracle stories. If you've ever studied anything about Islam, you know that Muhammad claims that there were a few miracles. I think he has a handful that he supposedly saw, right? And they're not even very, very great miracles. And most of them are hallucinations. Forgive me if I'm insulting anybody. But they're not bona fide miracles. But the Bible, the real Bible, is full of miracle stories. From floating axe heads to crossing the Red Sea, from miraculous births to resurrections of the dead, it's one miracle story after another in the Bible. Our God is an active and living God who is involved in our lives. This is the message of the Bible. God wants to be involved in your life. And God is a supernatural God. 1 Chronicles 16, 24 says, Tell of His glory among the nations, His wonderful deeds among all the peoples. Psalm 72, verse 18, Blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel, who alone works wonders. Psalm 96, Tell of His glory among the nations, His wonderful deeds among all the peoples. You know, guys, how are we going to do that? How are we going to do those things if God's not, if we're not seeing miracles and wonders in our own life? Well, my great-grandfather was at the revival of 22, and he saw somebody get their eyes opened. That's not what these verses are talking about. These verses are saying, the great and awesome stuff he's done in your life. Tell others about it. Isaiah 25, verse 1. O Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you. I will give thanks to your name, for you have worked wonders, plans formed long ago with perfect faithfulness. I want you to make a mental note of the last part of that verse, that God's plans for miracles in your life were formed long ago with perfect faithfulness. You're going to need to remember that one. If you're struggling to believe that God is the God of miracles, you know, most Christians will say this. Most Christians will say, I believe God can do miracles. No doubt about that one. God can do a miracle anytime He wants. But very few Christians will say, I believe God does miracles for me in my life and will do them when I need them and want them. Very few will say that. So if you're one of those latter kind, if you're struggling to believe that God really does want to manifest the miraculous in your life, then you need to hear me today. If God will do it for me, He'll do it for you. And if He'll do it for all those saints in the Bible... He'll do it for you. Listen, yeah, I can hear your religious mind clicking. I can hear your thoughts already. <laughs> You're thinking, but, but Richard, those are saints. Those, those, are, those people were holy, right? God really liked them, or He had a special mission for them. You're, you're talking about just little old me here. I, I'm not holy. I don't have a mission from God. Well, that's where our thinking needs to begin to change. That's not true. You are special. You're, you're just as special as anybody in the Bible, and you're just as holy as those people in the Bible. What? You're saying, I'm as holy as the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter? I'm as holy as, as uh, you know, Elijah? Here's the, here's the thing, guys. 
They were sinners too, right? And God's standard is perfection. So they didn't qualify any more than you qualify. The miraculous power of God is available to you and available to me, not because of our works of righteousness or our lack thereof, but because of His grace. And His grace has provided all we need. In, and, and so, so uh, our, next, our next lesson after this is going to be that God has already provided your miracle. But I can't get into that today. What I want to do today is I want to just, just really drive home this idea that God is the God of miracles. Now, today, not just way back then, but today, God never changes, does He? God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews chapter 13. God is also no respecter of persons. Acts chapter 10, verse 34. You know what that means? That means that if God will do it for Moses, He'll do it for you. If God will do it for Elijah, He'll do it for you. That God is not impressed with the person of man. He does not play favorites. To make this point clear, what I'd like to do is I'd like to walk through the Old Testament and the New Testament. I know I've only got a few minutes to do it. Let me just show you a little bit of how many miracles are in the Bible, actually in the Bible. Let me begin with Noah. Did you know God miraculously delivered Noah from the flood and all the animals that he took on the ark? How in the world could Noah have taken animals onto the ark two by two like that? God led them to Noah and brought them onto the ark with him. Did you know Noah and his family went into the ark and God shut the door? He supernaturally delivered them from the flood. How about Abraham? Abraham's wife, Sarah, conceived when she was in her 90s, you guys. Genesis chapter 21. Abraham, who was uh, uh, nearly 100 when, he, when, uh, when Isaac was conceived. That's a miracle, folks. Have you ever heard the story of Jacob, Andrew's uh, grandson? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob wrestled with an angel all night long. What about Joseph? Who was, one of the, who was the 12th son of Jacob. Joseph's whole life was a miracle. In Genesis chapter 37 onward, we see how the story, how the miraculous hand of God guided and blessed and preserved Joseph in order, in order to bring him to and, and, and enable him to achieve his destiny. He was lost for dead, given up for dead, somehow found miraculously by the Ishmaelites, and they rescued him and sold him into slavery. While you're reading those passages, it looks like it's all for two, all just an accident. But the truth is, God was sending Joseph to Egypt because Egypt is where he needed to be so that he could rise to the throne of Egypt and save the nation of Israel. How about Moses himself, rescued as a baby from the river Nile by Pharaoh's daughter so that he could be raised in Pharaoh's house? The time came when he fled to the wilderness and he uh, encountered, after 40 years, a bush that did not burn, that was burning but not consumed. It drew him in where he encountered God and God led him to deliver Israel and, and God provided all these plagues on Israel to uh, demonstrate his glory and to end up delivering Egypt or uh, Israel from slavery. The Israelites crossed the Red Sea in a massive miracle where God split the waters and enabled them to cross over on dry ground and then brought them back and drowned all the chariots of Egypt. What about the Ten Commandments being written by the finger of God and the pillar of fire leading the Israelites by, uh, by night and the column of smoke by day? They got water from a rock and manna from heaven. 
Forty years they wandered in the wilderness, and not even the sole of their shoes wore out. They had everything they needed, a miracle after miracle. Moses was succeeded by Joshua. We already read Joshua 3, verse 5. Joshua was called by God to lead them into the promised land. When it came time to cross over the river Jordan, it says in Joshua 3, verse 14, listen to this, And it came to pass when the people removed from their tents to pass over Jordan, and the priests bearing the ark of the covenant before the people. And as they that bear the ark were come into the Jordan, and the feet of the priests that bear the ark were dipped in the brim of the water, for Jordan overfloweth all its banks all the time of harvest. Now pause for a second. This means the river is at flood stage. All right. It's harvest time. And in that time of the year, the river was at flood stage. So this is a lot of water. And the priest, uh, as soon as their toes touched the water, listen, verse 16, the waters which came down from above stood up upon a heap very far from the city of Adam, that is beside Zaratan. And those that came down toward the sea of the plain, even the salt sea, failed and were cut off. So the waters were cut off, stood up in a heap, and it says the people passed over right against Jericho. And the priests that bear the Ark of the Covenant stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. And all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until the people were passed clean over Jordan. I just love that miracle. After they're in the promised land, they're fighting their enemies and God is going before them. Though every battle is a miracle. But there's one in particular in Joshua chapter 10 when they're fighting a, a, a coalition of five kings who are coming against this city of the, called the Gibeonites where the Israelites had a treaty with them. And they were, the, the enemy was, was prevailing against Israel. And it says in verse 12, Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the sons of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, O sun, stand still at Gibeon, and O moon in the valley of Algajon. I'm sorry, I'm having a hard time here. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped until the nation avenged themselves of their enemies. God literally made the, the earth stop spinning on its axis to allow daylight long enough for the Israelites to prevail against their enemies. In, Sam, in the book of uh, Judges, it tells the story of Samson. Samson killed a lion with his bare hands. He slew an army with the jawbone of an ass, one man. He destroyed the temple of Dagon, uh, the, the false god Dagon, with his bare hands pushed over pillars that caused the whole building to collapse. That's the supernatural, miracle-working power of God. How about in, in the book of Judges, chapter 6 through 8, the story of Gideon? Gideon uh, was uh, just a guy who, who was trying to get by. He's threshing wheat on the, flesh, on, the, on the wine press floor to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord comes to him and says, Oh, Gideon, thou mighty man of valor. Gideon ends up leading an army of, of only 300 men and defeats the Midianite army that the Bible says was like a swarm of locusts. And camels were uh, as numerous as the sand of the seashore. They filled the valley of Jezreel, the Bible says. That's how big the Midianite army was. And Gideon only had 300 men. It says in Judges chapter 6, verse 12, The angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. Maybe today you're facing an enemy army of sorts, circumstances and situations that are overwhelming for you. You cannot see a way out of it. 
And because you're looking at the number of men in your army, so to speak, you're looking at the tools available to you in the natural and you cannot see a way. But I'm telling you that it doesn't matter how small your tools are, how weak your weapons are. All that matters is that God is on your side. And God is not a respecter of persons. And God, the same God that did a miracle for Israel with the Midianites and for Gideon, will do a miracle for you. How about the story of Hannah? Hannah sought God for a child and He gave it to her, a miraculous birth. It was Samuel who became one of the greatest prophets of Israel. Or the miracle of David and Goliath when David, a shepherd boy, took a little rock from a river bank and put it in a sling and stuck it in the head of Goliath who was probably a 10-foot tall man. And the rock killed this uh, giant who the entire army of Israel was afraid to fight. How about Jehoshaphat? You remember King Jehoshaphat, 2 Chronicles chapter 20? Israel was invaded by the army of the Ammonites and the Edomites, and they were overwhelmed and they didn't know what to do. And he sought the Lord and the Lord spoke to King Jehoshaphat, 2 Chronicles 20. He said, do not be afraid. For the battle is not yours, but the Lord's. What are you facing today, church? What is it that you're facing? Oh, the Spirit of the Lord is here. And He knows your need. And God is saying to you today, Do not be afraid, for the battle is not yours, but mine. The battle belongs to God today, and His miracle power is available for you. How about Hezekiah and the Assyrians? Another hopeless situation for Israel. In one night, God's angels slew 180,000 of the Assyrian army, 2 Kings chapter 18 and 19. Or the miracles of Elijah, where he was fed by uh, ravens near a brook during a famine, where a widow had a handful of flour left and was ready to die, and, and God supernaturally multiplied it to provide her needs, her son's needs, and Elijah's needs for uh, months on end. How about when he raised a child, her child from the dead or he called down fire from heaven? How about Elisha, his successor, who did twice as many miracles as Elijah? Do you remember the three Hebrew children? Thrown into a furnace of fire and not a hair of their head was singed. You couldn't even smell smoke on their clothes. And the king of Babylon looks in and he trembles with fear because he saw a fourth man like unto the Son of God. Guys, there's no difference. God's not a respecter of persons. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Or Daniel, who's thrown into a den of lions, and God shuts the mouths of the lions. Romans chapter 15, verse 4 says, Whatsoever things were written aforetime were written to entertain us. <laughs> no, they were written for our learning, it says, that we, through patience, and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. God gave these stories to you to give you hope. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 11. Now these things, meaning in that specific context, it's talking about Israel and how God supplied their needs in the wilderness and delivered them from Egypt. Those weren't, that wasn't done just for Israel. Listen to what it says, 1 Corinthians 10 11. These things were our examples. That's what it says there. So all that stuff was given to you and me as an example that we could learn from it, that we could be inspired by it, but so that we could hold it up and, 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 and follow after it to seek the same things that we could you know, desire these, this kind of power in our own life. Well, how about the New Testament? 
You thought there were a lot of miracles in the, in the Old Testament. How about the New Testament? Jesus lived in the miraculous. And, ex- and here's the thing, guys. He expected his disciples to do so as well. Jesus was born. He, his birth was a miracle. A virgin conceives a child. He performed 35 recorded individual miracles. And then uh, in the book of John, in the book of John, it says, uh, there were so, uh, he says, and this is verse 25, chapter 21, verse 25. There also are, are many other things which Jesus did, the which, if they should be written, every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. That is a huge statement. Jesus was constantly doing miracles. Did you know that 17 times in the, in the Gospels, it says that Jesus healed everyone who was present? Great multitudes came out to Him, and He healed everyone that was present. Matthew chapter 4, verse... You know, that ought, to just, that ought to just destroy this lie, this idea that God heals sometime but not all the time. Matthew 4, 23, Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of diseases among the people. How about Matthew 9, 35? Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. Jesus did miracles of healing. He did miracles of provision too. Remember, he turned water into wine just to save a wedding feast. He multiplied loaves and fishes, even though they could have gone into town and gotten their own food. He gave Peter miraculous catches of fish where there were so many fish that the nets almost broke. He enabled Peter to find a gold coin in a fish's mouth so that he could pay taxes. Jesus was anointed for this purpose. Jesus was anointed for the miraculous. I've only got a few seconds left here today, and we're going to pick this up again next time. I want you to know today that God is the God of miracles, and He's the God of miracles in your life. So take these verses and meditate on them and strengthen your faith. This is going to be a life-changing series for you. Buckle up. Get ready. Your life is about to change because you're going to get a revelation of the power of God that He wants to manifest for you and how to receive it. So next week, we're going to continue with this subject. God is the God of miracles. You don't want to miss out. I look forward to seeing you then. Thanks for listening to Upstream Teaching. To hear more from Richard Harris, to partner with us, or discover our range of free ministry and community resources, go to upstreamministries.com.